You are listening to a message by Refuge Community Church. Refuge exists to glorify God by making disciples that shape their communities with the love of Jesus. Good morning. What's up, Refuge family? Hey, uh, I want to take a second before we get started to simply say thank you. Thank you so much for joining us uh, here in our online gathering. Man, I appreciate it so much. Uh, this is a unique time that calls for unique sacrifices. I want to thank you for joining us and making that unique sacrifice. As Sean said, rolling up in the covers, uh, getting cozy. I want to thank you for that. Uh, we're honestly hoping that this time still allows us to form family and really get a sense of uh, how God's hand is over us and how he's guiding us through uh, this season. And so today, we're going to actually continue our, our series in faith, really exploring genuine faith and how it interacts with our day-to-day life. Uh, I... For the sake of time and honestly because I'm excited, I want to really just dive in. Uh, and I want to dive in in a unique way, get started with the story. Uh, both of them think it's funny and I think it's applicable. Uh, a lot of you guys know my dad, Robert. Pop some fix throw you into the bus. I love you. Um, I was thinking as I was preparing about this one time where my dad really wanted to see our kids. And it was so precious because he reached out to us and said, hey, I've been getting some, some snacks for Leah. I got her a couple, of, a couple of gifts, a couple of things. I also have a couple of videos I would love to watch with her. And he started making all these preparations. He started building up all this anticipation, making all these provisions because he had this idea, this expectation of what the afternoon was going to be like. He was going to give her a gift. They were gonna, he was, she was going to say, thank you, Papa. I'll hug him. And they were going to sit there and they were just going to enjoy the time together. Now, if you have kids, you know that that mess went absolutely nothing like that. Like she got them gifts and was like, all right, now see you later. Every time he wanted her to come over, she was like, eh. like, it was amazing. It was hilarious. And he was, let me just say, this part was less hilarious. It's still kind of funny. But he could just see the deflation happen. Like he was so discouraged by the whole thing. He would start saying stuff like, man, I didn't come here for this, my baby. It was just great. It was hilarious. Um, I bring that up. Obviously, it's, it's easy to laugh at because I know that she loves him. And man, she's always asking for Papa. And like, she, she adores him. And so that's why I'm able to bring it up with so much humor now. But the main reason I bring it up is because, uh, man, it perfectly exemplifies the temptation that we are often met with each and every day, which is honestly to place our trust in God's gifts more than we place our trust in God. And as a result, uh, expect the joy uh, that only God can bring from the gifts that we place our trust in. Anybody that knows my family knows that my daughter is a good gift. She's a good gift. She's full of joy and happiness. She just is, is in, in our eyes and in the eyes of other people, a lot of times just radiant. And so I am, I am tempted uh, day in and day out to crush her with these expectations of the joy that she can bring me. Uh, and in that, uh, because the honest, I mean, the reason for that is because I see and recognize the beauty, um, the, 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 the appeal, the refreshing that's coming through her that I'm experiencing. Um, but the reality is, man, I'm not the only one that feels that way about their kids. It's not unique to her. Most people feel that way about their kids or their spouse or football or unbeknownst to me and, and unimaginably stamps. Right, like, like the people would see see such a beauty in stamps that they would be like, no, I just want to cord these. I just want to collect these. That's amazing to me. Uh, but the thing is, like, there is a beauty, there is a long, there, there is a refreshing that comes through these good gifts of God that we, when we, when we experience it, man, it reaches deep into this sense of longing that we have, and we begin to pounce on it. And the temptation then is to crush one, to crush the thing. 
uh, that we're placing expectations on. So if that's your kids, your spouse, whatever, then that's a temptation and that's a consequence. But then in addition to that, man, really another huge thing as your pastor is a concern that, that, that we can begin to um, walk away disappointed from the, the and miss out on the hope that God has for us. I bring this up specifically right now uh, because we're cooped up in our house. Right. And a lot of a lot of us are looking back and longing for the way things used to be and, and waiting for the day that things are going to return to how they used to be. We're we're waiting for things to get to get back to normal. And I petition before you that, man, the reason for that is because we're missing good gifts that the Lord has given us. Uh, and it's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. Uh, but but the concern becomes that we begin to build uh, a longing and then an expectation that can be crushing and then build an anticipation um, of what we're going to have when we reunify, reunify uh, with those good gifts. Um, and my deepest concern as your pastor is that for a lot of us, that's what's going on in our hearts. And the reality is, uh, is, is that we may end up walking away disappointed uh, from those moments. And maybe worse than that, far worse than that, is that if that's our view and our mindset, we will end up missing the joy that God has for us right now in the season that we're in. God desires to give you massive joy here and now in quarantine. Likewise, he desires to give you massive joy in the future when all the things go back to quote-unquote normal. And one of, the, one of the primary ways he desires to communicate and deliver that joy is through the good gifts that he's given you. Yet when we are unable to enjoy those good gifts, when we're unable to process and understand how to receive them in a way that doesn't just spark momentary joy, but then gives way to the eternal spiritual joy that we're looking for, for that type of satisfaction, we end up missing the great joy that God desires to give us through those gifts even now. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to talk about enjoying good gifts, how faith impacts the way we experience and take in the good gifts of God. And maybe more so, we're going to talk about and understand how God desires to communicate and give us joy right now. And so what we're going to do is um, we're going to jump into Hebrews and we're going we're gonna to take from chapter three of Hebrews. We're going to jump back. And I know it was there a couple weeks ago. Uh, but this is the big idea I hope we, we walk away from, we walk away with, that we're only able to truly enjoy where we are and what we have when we see Jesus through where we are and what we have. He desires to deliver joy to you right now where you are and with what you have. But the only way we can experience the deep joy that he desires to deliver is when we're able to see him through what we have and where we are. And so we're going to go ahead and read. We're going to dive into Hebrews 3. We're going to read the first six verses, and then we're going to take a second to pray and then just churn through those texts for the rest of our time together, okay? So let's go ahead and dive in. We're going to be again in Hebrews 3. We're going to start in verse 1. It goes like this. Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession, he was faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was in all God's household. For Jesus is considered worthy of more glory than Moses, just as the builder has more honor than the house. Now, every house is built by someone, but the one who built everything is God. 
Moses was faithful as a servant in all God's household as a testimony to what would be said in the future. But Christ was faithful as a son over his household. And we are that household if we hold on to our confidence and the hope in which we boast. Would you take a second to pray with me? Father, thank you so much for this time. Thank you so much for your word. Uh, thank you so much, God. And, and, and we ask that you would allow us to receive your word as good soil today, that your word would implant deep in our heart and produce the fruit of joy. It would produce the fruit of godliness, that it would produce the ability to receive the joy you desire to give us by properly understanding the good gifts that you are currently giving us even now. Humble our hearts, God. Uh, let us receive uh, humbly. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, hey, so <clears throat> a little bit of context on where we're at in Hebrews. I'm not going to give you too much context. We went over that a couple of weeks ago. I would encourage you to go back. If you want to learn more about Hebrews, you can go back to that sermon. Uh, but uh, Hebrews is written by an unknown author. And he wrote it to a group of Hebrew followers of Jesus uh, in an unknown location, uh, but who were going through a hardship. And that hardship was tempting them uh, to turn away from uh, Jesus and back to the faith they had come from, Judaism. Uh, in response, the author writes an amazing letter displaying the beauty and majesty of Jesus uh, and really desires to, to draw them back to being enticed by Jesus through showing how he's just superior to everything, including, uh, in one portion of the text, Judaism, which is where we are today. Uh, and what he ends up showing them is not a belittlement of Judaism. He doesn't make it small. Rather, he makes it big and he makes it beautiful. He demonstrates it as a good gift, but he does it in a way that allows them to see the beauty of it uh, and not be tempted to rely upon it, not be tempted to place crushing expectations that are only going to produce discouragement on it. Uh, it's in that place where he shows them actually how to receive the joy that God desires to have for them, even in the midst of hardship, as a result of seeing the good gifts of God that they have correctly. Now, um, a couple of things there. Before he gets to that idea, he needs to lay some groundwork. Okay, he's not going to jump right into the idea of, hey, uh, this is how you enjoy God's gifts, right? That's too simple. And it leaves a bunch of blind signs in people's lives uh, that could just end in a horrible, horrible way. Rather, what he needs to understand, what he needs us to understand first is this idea of, hey, what are the good gifts of God that he is trying to communicate and give joy to me through, right? He's giving me joy through these good gifts. What are they? Uh, because in our humanity, we can oftentimes gravely misinterpret that. And so, jumping in, he starts in verse 1, starting to lay this groundwork first. Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession. So the first step to understanding what good gifts God is giving us to, give, uh, to, 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 to really give joy through, we first have to consider Jesus. Okay, now this is a really, really, really huge concept, guys, because a couple reasons. Man, one of the biggest mistakes we make as followers of Jesus is that many of us, and I mean many of us, if not all of us, can go through our day, man, our week, our month, our year, some of us, our lives, 
and never have really stopped and considered Jesus. Maybe like on Sundays and in Bible studies, but, but in our day-to-day life, many of us have never looked at our house, our wife, our husband, our kids, our friends, our career, our, our, our cars, and stopped and seen them through the lens of Jesus. Because the reality is that's not natural. That's why the author of Hebrews has to encourage us, consider Jesus. Because naturally, we're not doing that. We're considering everything else. We're seeing the world. If we don't actively work to consider and see the world through Jesus, then what happens is we will see the world through everything else, through what culture tells us, through what society tells us, through what our family or friends tell us. But the, re- the reality is that we will see the world some way and we'll see the values of the world a certain way if we do not actively work to consider Jesus. And so the first point that he's laying out is, friends, see the world through Jesus. See the world through Jesus. Put the lens of Jesus in front of your eyes and allow yourself to be informed by how he sees, how he defines good, how he sees the value and beauty of things. Let yourself be formed and shaped by that, but you have to fight and intentionally work to to, to consider Jesus. I love the way uh, Albert Moeller says this. He is a theologian, a professor. He's the president of Southern Seminary in Kentucky. Uh, He says it like this. We should remember that all people have a worldview. That's what that is, the the lens portion, a worldview. That means we interpret all the data we encounter through a particular grid. Through our preconception about the world, the author of Hebrews reminds us that the ultimate axiom for the intellectual thought life of the believer is Jesus Christ. He is not simply the author and finisher of our faith. He is the author and finisher of our thoughts as well. Considering Jesus should animate the intellectual patterns of all believers and recalibrate their biblical worldview. And so the author of Hebrews, before we get started learning anything, needs us to, to, to realize um, that in order for us to understand and see the gifts of God correctly, we first have to see the world through Jesus. We have to consider Jesus. Uh, and so, so that's the first part of the groundwork, but the groundwork doesn't stop there. The groundwork doesn't stop there. Uh, <clears throat> because not only do we have to consider how Jesus sees the world, but we have to then submit to how Jesus sees the world. Uh, check this out. Verse 2. He was faithful to, he, Jesus, was faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was in all God's household. For Jesus is considered worth more glory, uh, worthy of more glory than Moses, just as the builder has more honor than the house. Friends, maybe more importantly than just knowing uh, or seeing the world uh, through Jesus, Uh, is actually submitting to how Jesus sees the world, Uh, is actually putting him over and prioritizing him over everything else, even good things. In this text, Moses is a good thing. He's brought up because the people that that, that the author of Hebrews is writing to uh, are are tempted to turn back to Judaism, and Moses is one of the primary figures in Judaism. He's one of these almost like messianic foreshadowings that they cling to. So much of his writings are the foundation for what the whole belief system is made out of. And what he's trying to show them uh, is that, man, even good things, even our, our perception about everything, how we see the world, it can't just be 
uh, our own opinion that rules, but it has to be submitted to, to, to God's opinion, to Christ's opinion of what's beautiful, of what's lovely, of what these good gifts that, that, that he desires to give us, what they are, how they should be pursued. Uh, the reality is he's calling us not just to understand uh, Christ's perspective of the world, but to submit our hearts and minds to it. And let me be honest, I know that for some of us, man, this has been a struggle that we've dealt with and wrestled with for a long time. Because for many of us, man, we have studied scripture. We have learned what God's opinion of this or that or how Christ teaches us to see this or that. But the reality is when we gather all that information, we gather it up, we put it in place, and then we go, all right, now that I have all this info, I'm going to take the information from Jesus, from uh, my, my spouse or significant other, from my family, from society, and I'm going to make the final call about what I believe is a good and beautiful gift, about what I believe is the best joy, about what I believe is the best way to pursue joy. And the issue, the danger of that is that for many of us, we have decided upon ourselves to pursue good things, to pursue good gifts, to pursue uh, beautifully created things in ways that God has already told us are joyless and hopeless. And we're left with a deep sense of discouragement, a deep sense of emptiness, because we have abandoned the way that God has told us to to pursue these good gifts. And we have instead embraced uh, the way we've decided to pursue these good gifts. And the reality, friends, is that the author of Hebrews is telling us that it's not just enough to simply know how God views the world, but he's calling us potentially to repent of our own idolatry, of our idolatry regarding our own opinion to take our heart, to to, to confess and to repent to Jesus of the way we have have placed ourselves as the superior, the arbiter of truth in our own lives, to repent, to receive grace, uh, to receive forgiveness, and to submit ourselves under and say, no, no, when my idea of what's good, when my idea of what's beautiful runs head-to-head with your idea of what's good and your idea of what's beautiful, then, man, I will cede your opinion and say, or I will will cede my opinion and submit myself under you and say, you are right, you are right, your ways are higher than my ways. Your thoughts are higher and greater than my thoughts. It's the call uh, to lordship, to submitting ourselves to Jesus and allowing him to be the ultimate authority of our lives and of our mind, to define what good gifts are, but then likewise to define how we are to pursue those good gifts, calling us away from actions like placing uh, crushing expectations, but rather to, 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 to see the authority and go, hey, you know what? You tell me how I should pursue that gift and how I should experience and enjoy that gift. When you do that, all of a sudden, now the groundwork is laid and the author of Hebrews understands that if you can do these two things, then now we can move on to understanding how God wants to deliver and and give us joy through these good gifts that he's given us. And so with the groundwork laid, right, with the groundwork laid (coughs) of submitting to Jesus, the groundwork laid of seeing the world through Jesus. Now he's finally turning the corner to say, now, now here's how God desires to give you joy through the gifts that he's given you. In verse four, he goes on to say this. Now every house built by someone, now every house is built by someone, but the one who built everything is God. Moses was faithful as a servant in all God's household, as a testimony um, 
to what would be said in the future. But Christ was faithful as a son over his household. And we are that household if we hold on to our confidence and the hope in which we boast. So having laid the groundwork, he begins to to point us toward the good gifts of God. He helps us see that, man, God created everything. That that good gifts are here by a work of God. And, And see, that's important. That's important to consider that right away he says, but the one who built everything is God. Now, in here, what he's specifically talking about is the people of God. But likewise, the good gift of the people of God is the same as the good gift of our car and of our, our, you know, our, our whatever, uh, kids, family, all that stuff. Likewise, the good gift that he's also referring to is Moses himself. Again, Moses was a good gift, a good proper figure, a faithful servant as described in verse uh, in verse 3 and verse 4. Even here in verse 5, the word servant isn't a demeaning word. The word servant, uh, the Greek word servant that's usually used is this word that, that really communicates a lowly position. Uh, but this word is the only time this is translated like this in scripture. And it's the word therapon. And the idea is actually less a lowly servant or slave and more a, a, a person with almost a status of nobility, a status of nobility in the household that he serves in. And so the author of Hebrews begins to show us that, man, God created good gifts. And the good gifts that he gave you in Moses, man, it is truly a good gift, but it's not a good gift for the sake of itself, The good gift was not meant to point to itself, but rather as a testimony to what would be said in the future. So get this. God created good gifts. God gave us good gifts like Moses, like everything that he's created. But he didn't give them so that they could draw attention to themselves. Rather, he gave them as good gifts that point away from themselves and point toward Jesus, the ultimate giver of good, the ultimate giver of joy. Now, I need you to grasp this because if we want to truly know how God desires to deliver joy to us, sustaining and whole and meaningful and lasting joy in our hearts, it's critical that we understand this specific point because the ultimate, again, desire and temptation of our heart, I should say temptation of our heart, is that we would see the refreshing beauty of good gifts created by God and then to go to them and say, man, you must be the thing that I'm longing for. In our own hearts right now, in our own lives, the reality is that a lot of us are cooped up in our house and we're thinking back on our life before quarantine and we're going, man, I want that back because that was beautiful and joyful and satisfying. And what the author of Hebrews is saying is look back at that. It wasn't that. In fact, that thing was not meant to draw attention to itself. That moment, that thing that you're thinking back on and desiring, that thing that you're anticipating and looking forward to in the future, and I mentioned this a couple weeks ago, but I want to drill it home today, was never meant to show you or to teach you or to give you satisfaction and joy and hope in and of itself, but rather it was given to you as a pointer, as a street sign, as a map, as directions to the giver of all joy in himself, that is Jesus. And so, friend, the creator of good gifts here, the creator of Moses, the author of life, he was just as much the creator of your job and your family uh, and, and, and your home um, as he was Moses. 
His authorship over life did not start and stop with Moses or Judaism or, or anything like that. Man, it extends even to where you are, what you have, what you're dealing with. The reality is when you're looking at your home right now, stop for a second and look. Stop for a second and look around your house. Man, look at, like, think, think, think of the beauty that you are. Like, if you're watching this, you probably have a home right there where you are. Think of it. He, he made that as a good gift, not so that you could adore it, but rather so that it could point to the security that he offers that is only found in a glimpse of the home you have. I, I think about in my own life, <coughs> I think about my daughter. I think about the joy she gives me when she comes and she wraps her arms around me. Man, there are times where I'm sitting on the couch, and y'all can't see it, but I'm pointing over there. I, I'm sitting on the couch, and she runs up, and she gets on the couch, and then she gets on the top of the couch, like the head of the couch, just so that she can jump on my back and wrap her arms around me. And then she puts her face next to mine, and she says, Dada, Dada. And I, it fills me with this joy. It fills me with this, 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 this happiness. Yet what, what, what the author of Hebrews is calling us to is not to focus so much on that because the reality is that in 15 years, I'm going to be dropping her off at school and she's going to look at me and go, hey, drop me off two blocks back because I don't want to be seen with you. And in that moment, if the joy that I felt in that moment was geared only to seeing her and it was focused on her, then all the joy that I've built up and all the joy that I'm clinging to is going to be gone like that. But rather, what, what the author of Hebrews and what God desires for us today is that I would see and experience the embrace for my daughter and realize that it is a glimpse to the to the fact that there is a future embrace, that there is a future embrace that will not leave me longing, but will eternally satisfy me. There is a future love and affection that will stir my heart in a way that will never come down, but will keep me at the peak of affirmation for the rest of my life. Man, there is a home that is being built and that is prepared for me through my Savior that will never be taken away, that will never be flooded, that will never be wiped away by a tornado, but is secure in his hands forever. Man, there is a spouse, there is a husband who has given himself wholly and completely to me that I am not lacking and that I will never feel neglected, saddened, insecure, afraid, that there is a relationship that will look like, man, there is this beautiful, beautiful, beautiful destination that the gifts that God gives us point us toward, that we, when we notice them, we are given not, when we, when we realize that those gifts are pointing toward this beautiful beautiful thing, it doesn't leave us with a fearful, timid, uh, momentary joy. But when we're able to enjoy those good gifts as testimonies of the good thing that is coming, then friends, we are given an eternal soul joy that can never be taken away. Y'all, I'm, I'm hot, son. I just got real, real excited. I'm so sorry. But, but man, this is big. I'm sorry, but man, this is huge, friend. This is a big deal. The God of the universe sees you where you are, and he desires to offer you joy. He desires to show you who he is. And he's calling us even now to realize that every good little thing in our life is not meant to draw attention to itself, but is given to you by him so that he can show you little snippets of his character, affection, and love for you. That's amazing. So stop. 
stop what you're doing. Like, even right now, like, even tune me out for a second and look around the room. Look around the room. Think about your life. Think about the gifts that he's given you. And consider for a moment, man, God desires to use this to give me eternal and lasting joy in him. These good gifts are meant to show me a beautiful part of who he is. I, um, <clears throat> I love the way in his book, The Weight of Glory, um, author, philosopher, just genius, C.S. Lewis says it. When thinking about the idea of, of nostalgia, of, of, of memories, being longing for beauty and satisfaction and joy in things like memories and nostalgia, uh, specifically found in a, a poet named uh, William Wordsworth, um, Wordsworth Poems. He says it like this. Wordsworth's expedient was to identify it with it being like, like beauty, satisfaction, to identify it with certain moments in his own past. But all this is a cheat. If Wordsworth had gone back to those moments in the past, he would not have found the thing itself, but only the reminder of it. What he remembered would turn out to be itself a remembering. The books or the music in which he, we thought the beauty was located will betray us if we trust to them. It was not in them. It only came through them. And what came through them was longing. These things, the beauty, the memory of our own past are good images of what we really desire. But if, we, but if they are mistaken for the thing itself, they turn into dumb idols, breaking the hearts of their worshipers. For they are not the thing itself. They are only the scent of a flower we have not found, the echo of a tune we have not heard, news from a country we have never yet visited. Come on. Friend, today, there, my, my, my desire for us is not that we would be pacified through this time longing to gain back what we feel like we've lost. But rather, to notice the good gifts that God has given us now and allow those to shape our hearts in a way that produces lasting and meaningful joy where we are and with what we have. When the way we're able to do this is to see Jesus through these gifts, right? That's the final point, man, to see Jesus through these gifts. The author of Hebrews wants to show his audience, man, you have a good gift in Judaism. You have a good gift even in Moses. But that good gift was never meant to satisfy you. It's only meant to point you toward the thing that satisfies you, to give you a glimpse of the greater hope, to give you a glimpse of the Savior. Today, my desire for us is that we would, we would, value and treasure the good gifts that God has given us, but that we would be anchored and cemented in the joy that he offers um, because we're able to recognize and see him clearly through those gifts that he's given us, through the joy that he desires to, to offer us and to deliver to us through the gifts that he's given us, even now, even today.
Um, now, now to close, I, I want to kind of draw to a close here, but I want to do it a little different. Um, because the reality is, is that everything I laid out right now, man, going back to the very first point and consider Jesus, man, none of that is natural to us. The reason he's having to point us to this is because it is an active work in effort that's required to do this. And so to close our time, what I actually want to do is I want to ask, how can we effectively see Jesus through the good gifts that he's given us? And I want to give you a few questions to work through. And what we're going to do is we're actually going to put those questions on the screen. And, and I want you to pause the video and I want you to look at those questions. And I want you to write down, um, talk to your, your spouse or your roommates or friends. Uh, and I want you to really work through these because it is an exercise. Like I said, it's a skill almost to be able to see Jesus through the good gifts that God's given us. It doesn't happen automatically. But what I want to encourage us to do is get into a practice of how to do this. And so those questions are going to be, man, what, what do I love, right? What do I love most or what are the things that I love most on the earth, on this earth? Why do I love those things? Where is Jesus in those things? Or rather, how does Jesus complete and fulfill these things? And then after that, I just want you to take a second to thank God. I want you to take a second to just thank God. And so even right now, go ahead, take a second and just pause the video, work through those questions, and we'll come back in just a second. Okay. Hey, friend, what I want to do is I just want to pray for us, and then I want to lead us into our last song of worship, and then I'll jump back on to just give us a closing encouragement to send us out this week. Father, thank you so much for your word. God, thank you that the reality is you are our king today, just like you were four weeks ago, just like you will be eight weeks from now, and you are a good king. You desire to stir joy and affection in our hearts today, right now. God, allow us to see the good gifts you've given us and to treasure them in an accurate and godly way, not just so that we can be obedient, God, but knowing that one of the greatest ways you desire to stir hope and joy in our heart is by showing us a bit of who you are through the good gifts that you've given us. God, allow us to be humble in how we see you, uh, see the world through you, to consider you. Allow us to, to be humble in submitting ourselves to how you see the world. And, and then God ultimately provide the joy that you desire to give us through how we um, see you through the good gifts you've given us. And so thank you, God. I ask that you would stir our hearts um, and glorify yourself through the fruit that comes from, from this meditation, this contemplation that we have done today. And I pray we continue to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. We hope this message encourages you and strengthens your faith.